Hello, glory to Jesus Christ. My name is Anton Cook, and I'm here to uh, continue with the Christ Our Hope show. This is a very exciting, exciting time. Um, this is going to be our first video recorded um, uh, segment of the show. So we're going to try to see how this works out, see how we do. Uh, this is our uh, this is an attempt to try to increase our viewership, especially on our YouTube channels. Um, and try to get the message out through those channels. So, um, my name is uh, Anton Cook. I am a, uh, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am a, a Dominican, member of the Dominican Order of Preachers. Um, I'm a lay Dominican, and um, also preparing for the diaconate um, as a deacon candidate from Aparki. Uh I am a member of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. Um... I do speak a little bit of Ukrainian, and uh, I am working on it every day. So, so, um, so yes, love Jesus Christ. So yes, uh, um, so that's kind of where I am. That's kind of who I am. Uh, for those of you who have, who are maybe new to the show, who have not been following us for a minute, um, that's that's it. That's the gist of it. At, at the end of the day, I am just uh, right now a lay person. Uh, seeking to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world for the praise and glory of his name, the name of Jesus. So um, so a little bit about the show for, you, for many of you who may be new to the show, right? Um, so our show here is all about Jesus. We are here to preach and pro- to proclaim Jesus Christ. That's who we're here for. We're here to preach and to proclaim the name of Jesus um, Jesus is uh, everything to me. He is everything to this world in reality. And I want everyone to know about Jesus, the love that never ends, and that which flows from the eternal goodness of the Father. This is, this is a, such, a, such a true statement, and it's so true. It's, it's just, it just fills me with joy just even thinking about the fact that, um, that, that these things are such a, such a cosmic reality. So, uh, without uh, further ado, um, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so, a little bit of business notes. If you've not liked and subscribed to my channel um, on YouTube, um, then come check me out. Uh, so, we're, we're I'm going to post this in two different places. The first is, of course, my, my personal YouTube channel, Anton Cook uh, slash O.P. Um, and, of course, uh, later on, we'll get the Christ Our Hope show YouTube channel going, right? So that you can you can go on there and uh, and kind of get these video um, YouTube uh, videos and watch these on YouTube video. Uh, we'll be doing a few shorts every now and then as well, just some small clippets. Um, I do a lot of shorts on my own personal channel, Anton Cook slash uh, comma o dot p, and uh, and yeah. Uh, we are also, this show is on podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're working on getting it on Spotify right now. Uh, that's a little bit more of a challenge, but we are working on getting it on Spotify. Um, you can go on Apple Podcasts, go to the search button on your on your phone um, or online. You can type in Christ Our Hope, and uh, you'll see um, the Christ Our Hope show. Um, it, it's the only one up there that's actually called Christ Our Hope. And um, myself as the Anton Cook, as the uh, actual host for that show. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all we've got. There's a few things on the on the on the admin. 
Um, again, if you've not liked and subscribed to us, please, I beg you to do so. Uh, we're trying to get out as much and to as many people as possible for the praise and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, uh, glory to Jesus Christ. Just just love saying that. So, anyways, um, let's, let's, keep, let's go. Let's, let's talk about it. So, so this week, this week, we are talking about, um, about the Holy Scriptures, and we're talking about two things that I want to make note on this week's Scriptures, right? Um, before we do that, let's, let's pray. Let's say a prayer together, right? I think that's important. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Heavenly King, Counselor, Spirit of Truth, everywhere present and filling all things, the treasury of blessing and giver of life, come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain, and save our souls, O Gracious One. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so this week we're going to have two things that we want to talk about specifically for this reflection. Um, the first is that God shows no partiality, right? God shows no partiality amongst men. And the second, the second is um, that, uh, that not only does God show no partiality, but that God is um, uh, um, uh, short story short. We're going to talk about justification, just not in the terms of justification, and we're going to talk about justification in Eastern theology. So those are two key things, right? We're going to talk about God shows no partiality, right? And the second subject that we're going to talk about is justification in Eastern theology. So many of you Protestant um, listeners, if you are a member of the Baptist church, Methodist church, uh, any type of Pentecostal church, any type of Protestant church out there, you may find this this this, uh, this one a little bit more interesting because we're talking about justification. This is the number one message and question that I hear all the time from, uh, from Protestant uh, converts and Protestant individuals who are interested in Eastern Catholicism. They want to ask the question of, as well, how are we justified? Well, the justification in the Eastern theology is very different than it, than one would um, than one thinks of inside of Roman Catholic or or Western uh, theological circles. So uh, I know that a couple years ago, the Roman Church and the and and the Lutheran Church signed a joint declaration on justification. Um, and that's fine and dandy from a Western theological perspective. It's great for the Western theological circles to to come back to a, a good understanding within their school of theology of the way justification works. Uh, but in the Eastern theological circles, we tend to we tend to follow more of the uh, church fathers, and the way our Eastern theology flows is a little bit different um, than than uh, our Western counterparts. So that's important for us to know. It's important for us to make to 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 make a note on. Okay, to make a note on. So today we're going to reflect on the epistles of Saint Paul, um, especially in his exhortation to the Romans. Um, there are going to be many themes uh, in in today's uh, reflection that we could preach upon. To be honest with you, um, I, this is only two plausible 
points that I felt the Holy Spirit was guiding me to reflect upon for this year. Uh, but in reality, there are many points in, that we could talk about inside of these these epistles, um, and in, even in the gospel reading. So, uh, but these are the two that God, I feel, is is placed upon my heart for me to preach on to today. So, the first one is that God shows no partiality between Greeks, between Jews, Romans, Arabs, Chinese, uh, Ukrainian, Russian, um, American, British. It does not matter. God shows no partiality, right? We hear this inside of um, the, the second sentence of, of, this, of this reading for this week. Um, I'll read that for you right now, just, just very slightly. It says, Romans 2, verse 11, For there is no partiality with God. Okay? There's no partiality with God. There are a number of scripture verses that we can go to to kind of like, to kind of uh, uh, read more into that, right? I did want to share some of those scripture verses with you now. Romans 2, 11, which states, God shows no partiality, right? Which we just read can be backed up with Deuteronomy 10, 17. And it says this, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the terrible God, who is not partial and takes no bribes. We read in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 19, 7. It says, Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed what you do, for there is no perversion of justice with the Lord our God, or partiality, or taking bribes. We read Galatians 2.6. And from those who were reputed to be something, what they were makes no difference to me, God shows no partiality, those, I say, who were of repute added nothing to me. Ephesians 6.9. Masters, do the same to them and forbear threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Uh, continuing, Colossians 3.25. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And lastly, 1 Peter 1.17. And if you invoke as father him who judges each one impartially according to his deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. The Lord does not see the effects of the Westphalian system, right? He does not see tribes and nations. Rather, he sees all of creation. He sees people that live in every part of this world, this globe that he has made, and that he has called each and every single one of us to holiness and righteousness. It does not matter who you are, for God is a just and loving God. He is a just and loving judge. We hear this perfectly in Deuteronomy 10:17, right? The what, what we just read. For the Lord your God, right, is not partial and takes no bribes. And Peter in his letter in 1 Peter reinforces that concept, right? He says that and if you invoke as father him who judges each one impartially according to his deeds, judges each one impartially, according to his deeds, conducts yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Again, we're seeing this common trend amongst the scriptures 
that God is not partial, right? The time for partiality is gone. At one time, at one point, it may have been that that God um, loved the Jewish people, right? And the Jewish people were chosen people. Well, they are still the first people, right? And and the Jewish people have a special place in this in the scriptures and in God's heart. In many parts of the scriptures, actually, we actually read that you know even Saint Paul says for the Jew first and then the Gentile. And then the Greek, right? We see that 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 verbiage all the time. The Holy Spirit is not unintentional in this. He's very intentional in that he, he does that for a reason. The Jewish people do have a special place in God's heart. But God is not impartial. God is going to judge us all the same. He is a loving and a just God. His justice is not perverted, as we read inside of the Scriptures, right? Through Christ... All are able to be saved and to have salvation, right? For for Romans 3.19, Romans 3.19 states this. It says, Now we know that whatever the law states, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth, every mouth, I'm, I'm saying that twice, may be silenced, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. I want to read that again. I'm going to read that again. If you have your Bibles, open it up right now. I'll give you a couple seconds. Romans 3.19. Turn with me to Romans 3.19. I want you to open it up. I want you to see these scripture verses, and I want you to read it, right? We know that whatever the law states, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced. And the whole world may be held accountable to God. Here, the apostle makes known the revelation that all are to be held accountable. All are held, are to be held accountable. It is not that just one person or one group of people are to be held accountable, but rather that all the whole world, the whole world, may be held accountable to God. Brothers and sisters, this verse has two meanings. First off, it's a call for us who have been brought into the spirit of the law of Christ, right? That we might know that by his truth, that we might be saved, right? But that we know that the knowledge of sin is real and that we are called to repentance of living and we are called to holiness of living and we are called to sanctity in Christ, Second, that we have to go out and tell others about this so that sin can be destroyed effectively. And that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. I remember a couple years back whenever I was um, working at a job site here in Atlanta and... uh, at the job site, we had a we had, we had a, a, a gentleman who was very interesting in his in his personal beliefs. He believed that only the Hebrew people could be saved. Only the Hebrew people could be saved. Now that's very interesting. That's very peculiar, right? He stated that in places such as the Gentiles or the Greeks, that these were Hellenized Gentiles, Hellenized Greeks. That is to say, that they were actually of the Hebrew people. But they had fallen into Greek ways. 
they had fallen into Gentile cultures, right? This verse here proves that whole argument wrong. Because the scriptures themselves, in Romans 3.19, makes clear that every mouth may be silenced and that the whole world may be held accountable to God. The whole world was not the Hebrew people. The whole world is all of us. All of us and all of creation. It reveals to us that God himself is to judge. God himself is going to judge us. And that judgment is not going to take place just by to the Hebrew people, but rather the whole world will be held accountable according to the law. Right? According to the law the Spirit of Christ. St. Paul in Romans 3.21 states this. It says, quote, The righteousness of God without the law is manifested. The righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Okay, end quote. St. John Chrysostom, circa 347-407, stated this in his homily. He says, For he has here sat down two high points, the being justified and the obtaining these blessings without the law. And this is why he does not say righteousness, but the righteousness of God. So by the worthiness of the person displaying the greater degree of grace and the possibility of the promise. I want to say that again. So by the worthiness of the person displaying the greater degree of grace and the possibility of the promises, right? St. John Chrysostom points out that the righteousness manifested is not just from a human teaching, but rather a divine one. He instructs that our life, our life is a life in Christ, right? Which is of God, which is of God. This is why Jesus states that you cannot serve two masters. He actually said, he actually states, quote, you cannot serve two masters, two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Why is this so? You cannot be of both the world and of the kingdom of God because when we live a life, this life that we are called to in Christ, right? We are directly partaking and participating in the divine nature of God. That's 2 Peter 1 chapter 3, uh, that's 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 that we may be ta- be partakers of the divine nature, right? And if we go back a little bit further, one one two verses before that, he says, because of the goodness and righteousness of God, okay? Christ prayed in the garden. He says, quote, I have given them your word, and the, word ha- the world has hated them because they are not of this world. Even as I am not of this world, they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. That's John chapter 17, verse 16 through 17. Which brings us to our second point on justification. And this is where I would like to, to, to kind of, I'm going to be talking a little bit 
um, more deeply about these 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 topics here um, as we kind of uh, uh, round down justification right so how do we understand justification in the Eastern Church and I would say that this these concepts are not even only in the Eastern Church um, I actually saw a great YouTube short by uh, St. Michael's Abbey St. Michael's Abbey uh, if you haven't followed St. Michael's Abbey, I would I would definitely implore you to to follow some of the stuff they have coming out. They they're very they are very Orthodox Catholic um, little little o Orthodox Catholic monastery um, that's really putting out a lot of really great teachings in regards to the faith, right, um, and traditional understanding of the faith. It says. Um, uh, and, and I'll put that in the show notes down below as well so that you can kind of maybe follow them and, and, and watch some of their YouTube videos. They've got great videos, beautiful videos, um, and very, 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 very good videos to watch and shorts if you have time. So anyways, our justification is therefore not through some abstract concept, but rather through the active participation in the divine life of God in the Holy Spirit by, quote, participating in God's divine energies through a synergetic relationship. Our participation in God's divine economia, economia, and, quote, partaking in his divine nature. That's from 2 Peter 1, verses, uh, chapter, uh, verses 4, excuse me. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. We are not just covered by grace. Rather, in, in, in Orthodox theology, that's right-believing theology, right? The, the, the true theology of the church as it's been handed down from the very beginning of time. We are not just covered by grace. Grace is not just an unmerited favor, but rather is the divine life of God within us. Okay? Grace, therefore, is transformative. And this is where we differ a little bit from Western theology. Augustine talks that grace itself is created inside of us. It's created by God inside of us. But rather, in the Eastern churches and in Eastern theology, we don't believe that. Rather, we believe that grace itself is uncreated, right? Grace is uncreated because grace itself is the divine life of God. God's divine life, his energies, right, that which radiates from his usia, his essence, cannot be created, right? That's just impossible because God himself is uncreated. If we say that God's energies are created, then we subsist ourselves to a God who is created. Well, that's clearly a fallacy. God himself is uncreated. He is from the beginning of all time. He is he has never he has never been created, nor will he ever be created, right? And so, when we say that God is uncreated, right, and that his energies are uncreated, his energies flow from his usia, right? His energies flow from his usia, from his divine essence. And that is not created, but rather is an extension of that essence itself. We do not believe there then that grace is without effect. But rather, because the energies of God stem from the essence of God, the usia of God, right? Usia, usia de Dios. Uh, because it, it spreads from the usia of God, right? It is God's 
uncreated divine life living within us, right? Through the Holy Spirit, the reception of that Holy Spirit. That grace must have an effect. We do not believe, as other theologians, specifically John Calvin, that grace is useless, right? Because to say that grace is nothing more than a covering, and that is it, makes grace kind of useless. It doesn't do anything, right? It doesn't transform. It doesn't heal. It doesn't help us to overcome sin, right? It doesn't help us to become better better people, to obtain the perfection of man as it, as it was lost in the originality of the garden. None of that takes place. Grace is basically useless. The only, the only thing that it does is it basically makes us look nice in the eyes of God. That is extremely problematic from a theological perspective. So instead, we worship a God that in, in, in the Orthodox, Eastern, Catholic, and the Catholic Church, right? The Catholic Church, we worship a God in the Catholic Church that grants grace, that transforms us and allows us to be healed. For the teachings of Christ themselves are healing. They're meant to be healed. They're meant to to bring us out of the darkness of a fallen humanity and elevate us to a life in Christ and therefore a life in God through grace. The teachings of Christ are transformative, right? We see this in the gospel. When people uh, hear the teachings of Christ, they are changed. They are no longer bound to these concepts of that they were before. Rather, they have broken the chains through Christ, and they are free to walk the path of righteousness to obtain heaven. Right? Grace is meaning to elevate us beyond what we are in our brokenness, that we might become more in God. God brings man to the level of a God, little g, little g, G-O-D, to the level of a God, right? We read this in the words of St. Irenaeus, circa 120 to 203. He states, God became man so that man might become God, might become divine, right? This was the original state of man in the garden. And it was a state that God desired to bring us back to since the beginning of time. Through Christ, we can obtain the fruition of God's plan. We can fulfill it, and it can be fulfilled, right? We have a a God who has acted, who has fulfilled his promises, right? Through Christ, we can obtain the fruition of God's plan. And St. Maximus the Confessor, circa 580 to 662, states this. He stated, quote, the, cre- the Christian is meant to become a living icon of Christ, to become the same with Christ, and must even become the Lord himself. We read this in the scriptures when asked by the Pharisees uh, to St. John the Runner, right? St. John the Runner says this, he must... Quote, he must increase that I must decrease. End quote. That's from John chapter 3, verse 30. In today's readings, right, we encourage that the law is no longer God's way, but the participation in the energies 
of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> How do we participate in these energies? How do we participate in these energies? There's a few different ways that we can participate in these energies. The first and foremost is through the Holy Mysteries. We ourselves cannot come to the, uh, the true fruition of God's plan without living in the Holy Spirit. St. Seraphim of Sarova actually states this on the acquisition of the Holy Spirit. Great re reading, great text. I pray that you would go read it. Um, it is very beautiful, very important to read and to reflect upon. We are meant for righteousness through our baptism. When we were baptism, God, uh, God desired for us to become like Him and to be regained into the image of, of like Adam. We read inside of St. Maximus the Confessor, again, he points out that the Holy Spirit does not compel us to be deified, but rather works upon us only if we are willing. God does not desire individuals who are uh, robots or slaves or any of these things, but rather what he does desire is he desires people to glorify him with the fullness of their hearts. We are called to glorify Christ. And I pray that in this day and in this hour, we might be able to accomplish those things. There are other ways that we can accomplish this participation in the energies of the Holy Spirit. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. I know we've heard this a lot. We hear it every great fast, every Lent. Um, it's very common for us to talk about that, right? But still very important for us to touch base on. So after we have received the Holy Mysteries, specifically the Mysteries of Illumination, which are uh, Baptism, uh, Confirmation, and First Communion, then we are able to continually walk with Christ through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. It is Christ himself who, inside of the scriptures, right, uh, goes off to pray. We know that he's got a lot of time with the Father, so therefore he's fasting. And almsgiving, what is almsgiving? Almsgiving is giving alms, giving your time, talent, and treasure to the church. Okay. So God calls us to this particular way of life. He asks us to be a part of him and to help him to overcome sin. Now, the question that has to be asked is, uh, can we obtain that level of perfection here on the earth? We will always be sinners. We will always fall short of the glory of God. But by God's divine light and providence, we are able to walk in his, his light, be illuminated by him and to illumine others. We have to pray, fast, and do almsgiving, especially as we are in this time of, of fasting up till the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul. But we have to do it in faith, hope, and love. Any action of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving without faith, hope, and love are empty. They mean nothing. You might as well just throw it out. It's just not worth it anymore. God himself wants us and desires us to be a part of his economy, his economy, 
the mission and what he is doing in the world. That's what he desires. But again, it's got to be done from a place of faith, hope, and love. With that being said, I would like to to kind of end on that note. Um, that's that's really all I have today. Justification, in short, is not uh, not this uh, con- conceptions as one might see in, in Western theology that um, you know you're saved immediately or this that or the other. Eastern theology of justification really leads us down this path that we are called to fight with all our might to live eternally with God in heaven. And we have to do those things, right, um, in order to be saved. That is not to say that God's love is conditional, but rather what it is to say is, is that we have to do our part in maintaining our uh, faith and our faith journey throughout the day so that our children and their children know how to properly worship and adore the Lord. So, with that being said, um, that's that's really all that I have for today. Um, again, so we talked about two topics here today. We talked about that God shows no partiality, right? He's not partial to one group of people over another, but rather He is equal, He is just, He is righteous, and He is good, right? And the second is that um, in justification, our justification is definitely not through our deeds, right? One would say that it's through deeds alone. It's it's not. It's not through deeds. It's not by faith alone either, but rather it is a combination of faith and works. You show God your faith by your works in heaven. And this was the letter of St. James that he wrote, and he made this very well known, that we are called to uh, live the life of Christ and to glorify him uh, through all of our days. And with that being said, um, that is all that I have here for you today. Um, um, there are some, if you're looking for some resource, resources on these topics, especially justification in the Eastern Church, I would definitely in, in, implore you to go read uh, Dumitru Staniloya and Vladimir Lossky. Um He's got a very good book called Theology and the Church. Uh, this is a much older version um, of that book. It's a great book, uh, so if you can find a copy of it, please get it, read it. Um, it's a great book. It really talks about the basics of Orthodox theology, right? So there's that, Dimitri, Dimitri Staniloya. Um, there are, are other books um, that you can read, uh, John Mindwarf. Great read, great great book um, to reflect on. Um, and, and yeah, so if you're interested in, in getting a small list of books to read, uh, please feel free. I will try to uh, put it out on the, uh, the website so that you, we can uh, kind of see how things are going. And that's it. So uh, again, if, uh, if, you like, if you like this, uh, this podcast, uh, if you like this show, please like and subscribe. That's all we have for, here for today. Um, just so you know, you guys know, I'm going to be going to be having some new, uh, stuff coming out, some new content. I'm going to try to do a few interviews with a few different people on some key topics. My first one I'm hoping for is a, uh, topic on spiritual warfare, talking about spiritual warfare, talking about how we fight that spiritual warfare. So, 
Uh, keep keeping in tune for that. If there's anything that you'd like to see uh, in regards to uh, videos, movies, um, or reviews, if you'd like for us to do a review on a movie, review on a book, whatever, let us know um, down in the comments below so that we can kind of see that and maybe we can make you a special edition video um, of, 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 of the Christ Our Hope Show. With that being said, that's all I have. Thank you so much for your time. Glory to Jesus Christ. I hope you have a blessed week, and I will see you again next Saturday. Glory to Jesus Christ.